before we get into this episode, this is being recorded via the web. So if the sound is a bit boom, boo, chicky, chicky, doom, then we would like to apologize. I hope you guys enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Afrolit. I'm Equa PM. Hi, fam. It's Lantia here. Um, and welcome to a new episode of Afrolit season three. Yes. In case you didn't know, now you know. <laughs> and um, we're welcoming all the sisters to this conversation. Of course, we do not forget the brothers. We have you in mind, brothers. We got you. Um, but today's conversation is going to be one that's really, really exciting and interesting. Um, you guys are going to be entertained and inter- and it's going to be actually very educational as well because we have an amazing, amazing yes, yes. Today. We'll let her inter. We'll let her introduce herself. Mm-hmm. We'll let her. Yeah. We'll let her tell you who she is. Yes. I'm here. It's and, uh, uh, I am the founder of Pro Ho, talking all things sexual. You know, and I sometimes I'm like, do I want to say wellness because that word is really you know overused and oversaturated. Saturated. So I started thinking about using. The word like sexual that. abundance, okay. whatever that like means like for that. you. Like that? Yes, yes. So I'm focusing, <laughs> focusing on finding your sexual abundance and using sex, sex and taboo as a means of social equity, really for Black people to regain ownership back right. over our bodies and know what it means right. to access pleasure right. and to feel good. Because let's be real, a lot of the times we haven't always not been afforded the luxury to just all. feel good. Amazing. Yeah, Welcome to Afrolit. And okay. you know, I think it's I think it's beautiful that you've created a space that allows black people, especially because of our history, to feel loved, you know? And right. you know, it would be uh, what is it? It would be a disservice if we didn't address like the current climate of the world. And so we definitely mm-hmm. stand in solidarity with all that is going on in terms of police brutality, black lives right. indeed matter forever. Yeah. Black lives forever. matter. Ever all black lives matter. matter. Yes. Right. George yes. Floyd. Yes, right. we say their names. George Floyd. All of the Brianna others. Tony, all of yeah. the others. Everyone. And so, you know, it's a pleasure that we're all here and we're gathered. And But I think it's mm-hmm. important because this conversation also, like, it stems everything connects right and it stems together right. and so Lanti and I have been having a lot of these conversations in terms of what misconceptions mean in our African culture because there are so Ooh. many taboos <laughs> microaggressions yes. unwritten social yes. codes societal right. codes that we just kind of are told and like once you know right. it you know it you don't forget you know how come when mm-hmm. you know if you go to Nigeria when you see an elder you have to kneel like that there's variations yep. of that all across the world but we wanted to touch on like <laughs> and you know it, you know for facts when you mentioned the word sex you must sound exactly. <laughs> you can't say it out loud if the elders are there but, you get the eye it'll be like hmm? what do you mean what are you talking right. about <laughs> what? You say, what? Huh? 
No, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a un- right sex, sex, wear. sex wear. It's kind of like a um unsaid rule it that really you just is. know, like you don't do that. You just don't you do don't that. Do so, that. Yeah. Or if you're t- older, it's like, why aren't you doing it? Why don't you have more kids? Right, it's such a paradox. Yes. And, no, and you should, and notice yes. how yes. when it's about the kids, exactly. it's not about the sex. It's about the kids. Ooh. So it's like it's yes. not about the sex. It's still oh, not exactly. about the sex. It's just about the production. It's the, of the kids. You know yes. what I mean? Exactly. Well, and I mean, that's another way that that those are other constructs that really limit our sexual abilities in associating sexual activity with pleasure or desire, because we're only taught that sex is only validated and it's only right when it's to make to procreate. Mm -hmm. And that's how we're taught Mm -hmm. in schools. We're taught abstinence yes. and that your virginity is right. sacred and you should not give it away. And all of those teachings, all of that foundation is really hindering our abilities. And whether we understand it or not, whether we can take the time out to assess how that kind right. of trauma has shaped our mm-hmm. adult sexual experiences, it really starts right. from that education and those religious for, for African people, from Black people, I think right. a lot of it is right. our religion. Because religion and culture are like cultural sister and brother. They're like connected. That's it, connected. right? And the sad part is, yes, the sad part is, I mean, for a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. I'm half African American. For a lot of people, those cultures and religions do not even right. are, do not even belong to us. So we are abiding by these cultures and religions that don't mm. even that were never mm. made for Black bodies that do not support mm. Black bodies, the joy of Black bodies, the expression of Black bodies. So I'm just you know there's a, yeah. a lot of unlearning that we need to do. Um, and like I said, some people will never even know that they are right. Mm-hmm. know that they have shame yeah. awareness yeah 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 it's an awareness and i think you yes. have to be intentional exactly about, um gaining knowledge whether it be like from you or some kind of sexual expert and finding out what exactly mm-hmm. is hindering people from yes. actually like their full um pleasure as you right say, so completely completely oh yeah and the beauty too so. is that you know penda is a dark-skinned black woman and she <laughs> has made it right <laughs> i yeah. think i think <laughs> <that's laughs> <your horn. laughs> I, you know, and I, I, you know, and I really, I emphasize that and I implore that because a, the affluent fam needs to know, but more in that too, I think that there's just a hypersexualization that comes to people of of darker skin tones, especially women. You know, I think you know myself being dark skin, Lantia, like we've all Mm -hmm. experienced ways where it's just like you know where they're looking at certain parts of our bodies or like you know guys or you know our partners just wanting to be with us just so that they can like know what it's like to be with a black girl you know so I know that we've had like multitudes of experiences but before we get into all of that I want to paint the picture of you so if you could tell (laughs) us just a little bit about where you're from when you moved to New York Mm -hmm. and yeah how you made this transition into what you do Mm -hmm. now to this world yes most definitely i will (laughs) before i do that intro i do want to touch on what you just said aqua about darker skin and the hypersexualization because a lot of that is really derived from chattel slavery and the way that you know white racism 
was really right. set up to divide us from the beginning. So if you were dark skinned, right. you're in the field, you're less desirable. A lot of the stereotypes and tropes that black women mm -hmm. experience today are built on those stereotypes. So when you have the, ma the mammy, who's this angry black woman who nobody, it doesn't yeah. want, like that people do not want to engage with sexually or they're not deemed beautiful. That comes from the field slaves and from being dark skinned. Mm, it comes from yes. Sarah Bartman and having these, like what, what white people said, you know, were spectacles right, of yeah. a big ass and big breasts. Like all, all of that really comes back from slavery. And then you have the lighter skin, fair, um, I don't know, fair skin is like <laughs> fair. a ridiculous word because You're there's, right. Right. You're there's right. nothing fair, right. fair about, about, about it. But they were in the house right. and they were raped and they were, their bodies were, sexualized sure. in, a, in a different capacity to mm. to birth children so you know and you still see that divide existing current day of there's still elitist and separation between dark-skinned black people right. and light-skinned black people so i mean you given the current events of this day and age we understand now how important it is to be like that's the way that right. white people mm -hmm. wanted to categorize us because we are we are the same and that was their right. intention is was to divide us mm -hmm. so we have to <laughs> look past it but like I said, this, we, <laughs> I'm, I'm literally like, I told my friend, I've never had more purpose in my life than I do yes. right now. I've never been more right. filled with purpose to use yes. my words snap, snap. than yeah. right now. We love so, that. <laughs> here, on the right day. On the right day. Y'all got me on the right day. Yes. But, um. I grew Shout up out. in Denver, Colorado. Which I know a lot of people <laughs> there. <laughs> Shout out. 303. 303. 303. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, Black people are everywhere, so we represent. But um, I grew up in Denver. Uh, my father mm -hmm. was from Senegal, an immigrant. Um, and my mother is Black American, who basically, you know, spent the majority of her, she moved to Denver when she was three years old. So Denver is her home. And, you know, my family is just really kind of a melting pot because my sister is biracial. Uh, she is my half sister, nine years older. And then I have a younger brother who is also half Senegalese, like myself, same mother and father. So my, my, my childhood was really this, this kind of <laughs> simmering, like, you know, space yeah. where I had my dad being Senegalese and Muslim, my mother, Christian, Black American, and my sister. Right. Dynamics. A lot of energy. <laughs> a lot of a lot of dynamics, which of course yes. is, you know, how I mm -hmm. view a lot of the world today, of course, like, you know, anyone else, but I was a professional dancer for the majority of my life. I moved to New York Amazing. City to um pursue dance at NYU yeah. and I went to Tisch School of the Arts and just had a really profound Mm -hmm. opportunity to travel the world and dance and connect with artists of mm. so many mediums of music of art and you know I just like to say that I'm a storyteller and for the for that mm. first really big chunk of my life I was you know telling stories and connecting with people through my body and being physical and vulnerable yeah. in that way it's really yeah, vulnerable absolutely. to move your in body and express people. things without without words <laughs> necessarily yes. in front of people that yeah. yes, exactly so honestly it's kind of <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's kind of fitting, honestly, mm -hmm. that now I'm still a storyteller. I'm just using using my my gifts in a different in a different um, outlet through words and 
through writing and through doing community events. Amazing. And I, I think exactly what you said in terms of, you know, we all have different phases and strokes of how we're going to use our, you know, like transferring all of our skills from one thing to another, you know, who knew that, you know, you, and that is being an artist. Right. Right. Completely. That's And using your creativity. Right. Like solid. Yeah. Yeah. It's always like that. There's multiple and it's, it just yeah on this trip and here you are completely here you are and here you are you know i had to cut out i had to cut off someone that i was wow because he was like well you're not an artist and wow I like, yeah he was like well i mean he was like well i mean like you're a writer and Uh-oh. you're you know you're doing the pro ho but like you're not like a, you know oh what i mean like you're not an artist and i was like hey, hey, what yeah how do you call that like okay. you know I was like, so what is an art? I was just like, so what is an artist? Like, I just didn't understand what it's like. An artist right. is limited to an. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, your I think your family really just set the tone of understanding. Like, you were gonna be in this space of right. making people feel comfortable with the uncomfortable. Because I'm sure, like, around the dinner table, like things right. may have gotten not like intense, but like. You know, people having like varying sides and right. I just want to understand a little bit more about how you kind of got into this space of writing about such a taboo topic like sex because right. I know like I know that you know of course being an artist and being a creative you want to be able to express yourself in so many mm-hmm. multiple ways but mm-hmm. you know you, you've chosen currently the avenue of writing and allowing people to understand like themselves and validate themselves for sexual pleasure is really important right. and valuable. So just tell us a little bit more about how you chose sex as your like art, like overarching topic, which then stands right. And pleasure. what age that happened at? Could you give us like a background? Like at what age were you like, okay, this is the world that I want to jump into and kind of explore. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think it's interesting, probably people who have known me since I was at middle school and high school. I think I am, a completely different person than aren't I we should be growing exactly because I think I had a lot of and still do a lot of trauma that I'm working through of just being told uh constantly really that I was pretty for a dark-skinned girl um mm. so my Ooh. self-worth I think uh, really took a hit from that definitely as an mm. adolescent and I definitely yeah. saw it personified mm. in the ways that I approached intimacy and vulnerability and trusting people um, mm. in relationships and sexual relationships and I think I really used sex in college and I didn't have sex in high school so I didn't have sex until college so I think at that point mm-hmm. I was um, I really thought sex was a way to validate that I was worthy of love and of affection but um, so all of this is happening, you know, it's yeah. So it's all of this reworking of thinking that I really just didn't deserve love. I was very right. quiet about yeah. asking and demanding what I needed sexually, what I needed emotionally in relationships. And I would mm-hmm. always attract, I kind of liked people who liked me, but I never set my own standards of who I wanted to attract. and who Right. I because it's like, I'm getting attention. Yay. Right. That's the right. mindset. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> before, before it's like, oh, you just see everyone who's light skin getting all the attention. And then yes. somebody is like, listen, I'm going to 
gonna go for that girl. Someone's son is like, I'm yes. going for that girl. And then you're like, Oh, I'm special. I'm so yes. special. He tells me. What? Yes. Yeah, it's that I kind of well, yeah. that man or person was not it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. They never are. They, never they rarely are. <laughs> Oh, that is yeah. real. I'm getting right. triggered. I feel you. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'm just like, I was just out here doing, you know, picking the worst, picking the worst. Right. Um, and so then one, one Christmas, I came home to Colorado around when I was like 27 or so. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I was definitely picking and choosing the wrong types. Mm-hmm. And then one year I went home to Colorado for Christmas. My mom, you know, she gave me my first vibrator, basically. <laughs> but it was all wrapped up in this reed, in this giant reed, because she was like, Are you dating anyone? And, and this is like, in college, right? This was, this, when I, college? this was when I was older. I was actually 28. I want to say 27 oh. or 28. So it was yeah. definitely when I was older. And um, she was just like, Okay, you're single, girl. Like, what's going on? And <laughs> she was just kind of like, If you're not getting any dick, like, I hope I trust that you get in something else happening here. So she was like, you know, so wow. basically she gave me the vibrator and she really said that right. she wished she would have spoken to her kids about sex at a much younger age, which, you know, for me, I really mm. thought about it. I learned about sex through porn, through my like right. next door, like through my friends growing up through their right. sexual experiences. Yeah. But TV. I never, yeah. TV. Um, exactly. But there was never any yeah. type of dialogue between my parents. And I knew I was not right. going to get this dialogue from my Senegalese father, but you know, that one is already X'd out. It's that like, one, yeah, this yeah that one was I expected, but my mom didn't right. talk to us, you know? So it's like, we even when you think about sex education in schools when you are in middle school when you're in high school they're really right. teaching abstinence or they're teaching you uh, that sex is reserved for marriage and only for procreation which right. you know in my yeah. opinion for a lot of african and black people those kind of religious mm. and social constructs are really they're what together. uphold you know and obstruct mm-hmm. our sexual liberties and right. you know like i said for a lot of us those are not even the religions and cultures that we were born with and that right. you know that is true so it's interesting but that's kind of really where I where I started this journey I started blogging I started mm-hmm. writing and thinking okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go really hard with sharing my sexual experiences to the point yeah. where I had someone I would have people message me and they're like I just read your blog I know that one was about me blah 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 like I was just kidding <laughs> When they come back for you, when they come for you, and they're like, "I know it's me." Exactly, and I I never used names, of course. I never used anyone's name, but like the fact they they were like, "Oh, I know that was me." So I thought, like, okay, if I start writing, then other people are gonna feel like they can be open and as explicit about sex, and we can start to normalize the conversation. The more people speak about it, so I was like, "I'm gonna be that." that leader and you know i'm just gonna start right. it because at the end of the day it's your experience it's your yes, experience it's my too. experience it's my right. experience exactly and so then mm-hmm. um it just kind of yeah. started gaining some momentum i met someone at vice who worked at vice and then they reached out they're like do you want to write this article and i published you know how mm-hmm. pro the article was like how pro ho is my definition of sexual freedom and that was really my first published piece and so then I was like, you know what? I want the whole the whole reason I started this movement was for community. So I started doing these events with Planned Parenthood and other sex black sex therapists and 
just right. really wanting to create this space where, you know, that I could just be that thought leader that was like, okay, I know it's a, I know it's a tough subject for a lot of us, right. but mm-hmm. you know, if I have to talk by myself to all it. of you for an hour and a half, y'all can mm-hmm. listen, but I just hope, I hope that you <laughs> absorb, absorb something, but we're right. going to sit in this room right. and talk about, somebody going to talk, talk about something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. That's actually really hilarious that you mentioned that. Um, I think it's an interesting um, dynamic when you mentioned how um, sex is looked at um, when you're at a younger age or what you're told by schools. Yes. For me, I know my experience was that when we were talked to about sex, it was specifically the girls. Right. <laughs> it was like, girls, stay after the meeting. Girls. Right. And like, oh, wait, what? Okay, what's about to happen, you know? Exactly. And for me in my school, I was telling Equa before, and it was um, mostly focused on the fact that we should dress up appropriately and cover up appropriately because we're at that age, you know, that we're right. we're making guys feel a certain way. Right. And right. I like now then I was like, oh I guess that's a, I guess that's the truth. But now I'm like, how come no, that was never so translated wrong. to the guys? And so wrong because the guys were like, what was that about? We were like, you guys didn't have a talk? Right. Know. Exactly. <laughs> we were chilling. We were playing soccer, girl. <laughs> what are you talking about? So that was crazy to me to think back and think that that was a thing. So do you think that girls are hypersexualized through like clothing and the right. idea that covering up or, you know, wearing um, clothes that aren't too sexy um, yeah. is a thing? Do you feel like that's something in young girls specifically? As well? Yeah, I mean, I believe that that kind of teaching is unfor- unfortunately, it instills in young girls that they're... Th- their bodies and their sex does not belong to them and that it's not Ooh. theirs to give. Like it really mm-hmm. sets up, it sets up the conversation it. that like right. your body yeah. is for men can, men can take it from you. Yep. Right. right? Yep. So you have to cover it and protect it, which like, right. you know, there are, there is sexual assault and et cetera. But like, I think we should be, we should be teaching. But who that. is the assaulter? Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, people, yeah. It's the people who are not educated on knowing that sex is not right. there for the taking, per se. Right. So, right. Um, I feel like right. you know we need to switch the narrative because I think that's really what enlightened me is once I once I mm. switched my mindset of like, oh, sex is is just as much mine to give as it is to receive. But I think a lot of times mm-hmm. in heteronormative sexual behaviors, mm-hmm. when the man is a, the penetrator, it feels like it belongs right. to him. Right. Yeah. And it, it feels yeah. like you're giving. And I think that it's is, the nature yeah. of just like women, like a vagina is open to receive. So I think like it can play uh-huh. those dynamics really easily. If you're not cognizant of, yes. of different dynamics, I think it can easily fall into that of, of women have to be submissive to the man, the man's mm-hmm. sexual pleasure. And right. I just, so I think, yeah, I don't think that we should be teaching girls that they have to cover up, you know, if right. I, we don't, okay. There's a, there's a difference between teaching young girls to cover up because mm-hmm. If, if I mean, if they're conservative and because the way of the world, let's be honest, the world is a, right. is a dangerous place. Right. right so like right. I see that I see that perspective, but it should not be in the context of cover up so that men yeah. that who we are not educating on why they should not be approaching. Young right, girls like right, this, right. Right. Both both yes. of them need to be in the room for this conversation. 
that's what I think. Let the guys yeah. have the talk as well. Tell exactly. them about it. You know exactly. what I mean? And I think also from an African perspective, it's very, I mean, it's seen very differently because I believe there's, I mean, this happens everywhere, but I believe there's just a lot of cases where it's very close relatives and it's emphasized that be careful around, you know, uncle, uncle, uncle somebody. Yes. And it's like, oh, okay. So I, I get the, I get the, you know, the concern. Right. But in the same breath, it shouldn't mean that it, it shouldn't feel like it's our burden. Responsibility. Like it's, yeah. It's exactly. about our responsibility, right? Exactly. Um, so it's like a balanced thing, I think. A balanced thing where you can still feel safe at the same time. Right. And sometimes it's really young girls that don't need to hear this. Like, they're no. too young to even understand yeah. it, to be honest, I feel. Which is because, a, but yeah. another question that I have. Like, at what point of what... At what age or at what point do we right. really open up this conversation? Because, you know, for me, I so I think a lot of it tends to happen, you know, when women now are menstruating and or like, mm-hmm. I don't even know if yeah. guys are really yeah. having this conversation when like their voice. I know But anyway, no. just for, for lack of context, <laughs> Most of them are yeah, yeah, we'll say like puberty <laughs> age is when like yeah. conversation right. happens. Right. And so I, but I believe though, that because of like the world that we're living in and like, you know, our kids most likely are, their first phone is going to be an iPhone. So they're going to have access to the internet right. at such a rapid right. rate. They're going to see TV, you know, at what age, mm-hmm. at what point, there's going to be more, early, you know, what at what point mm-hmm. is too late? Cause I do feel like there is a stage where the conversation kind of happens a bit too late. Cause I feel like by the time mm. I was getting like, you know, my period and stuff, I feel like I already knew about sex. And you like, know, yeah, that's you know. the thing. You know? The world we're living in, you know. know. Like, you know, I knew when like, you know, movies, when like they closed the door, like I knew what was happening <laughs> behind that door. Maybe you didn't yeah. know the technicalities. I don't know the technicalities. But, but it's, you know. I knew. And I, I, right. I, I felt it. Right. And I right. That you shouldn't be doing. Right. Right. And so, yeah, yeah I want yeah. to you know, just from your perspective and even like, you know, at, you know, your mom, your mother giving you like a vibrator as a gift. Like, do you see that conversation? I want to see it as like a point of joy and maybe like just understanding that like I have a comfort comfortability with my children. Right. But I know it's not always viewed like that. Like, you know, it's even in movies, it's viewed as this like, okay, let's sit down, have the birds and the bee or yeah, bees and uh, what is it? (laughs) Birds and the bees, yeah. Birds and the bees talk. Always so awkward, like I'd want to but know. notice how the birds and the bees talk is never really. I mean, it's not an African thing. Which African movie have you heard them say? Let's see that. It's not even You know, like, do we even like? I know that there's no stand. There should be no standards of how you raise a child. But I want to know, like, from your both right. of your perspectives, like, at what point is too young? You know, should we be talking right. to children about this? Should we be talking mm, like? And is there a right age? Yeah, is there a right age? I don't know that there's a right age. I think you have to find the comfortability that you have with your child. I mean, I think I'm going right. through it right now. My my niece is 13, and yeah. Um, yeah. honestly, I feel like it's already it's not too, it's never too late, late but right. I feel like um, 13 is already I'm just like she already got boobs and hair and all yep. of the things that are happening yeah. unfortunately and friends who, and, who, yeah, who are probably already you know, having sex and she that's lives a in the, she lives in the Caribbean and like sexual culture in the Caribbean yeah. like whining and it's just a part of us it's a part of how we yeah, move right, our bodies right, a part of dancing right, it's all right. of that so I don't 
have the opportunity to see her and spend as much face-to-face time with her. Yeah. Um, but if it were my child personally, I think from mm-hmm. the beginning, like I know I'm always calling it a vagina. I'm calling this the penis. I'm being, I'm right. going to not call anything pet names or be it, like trying to right. cover up things like that. I'm going to be very open about like, the right. anatomical needed. term. It's needed. And I think that when you start to, I think with your child, you can kind of sense the signs of when the conversation should be happening. Um, right. I Even for my niece, she's on TikTok. It's just like, I know that she has influences of sexual yeah, content. Right. Um, so I personally think as soon as we are educating our kids on puberty, which to be honest, should be happening at eight. Like, as soon as you're integrate, as soon as you can speak, I feel like. I honestly, own it. Me too. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, really, it's like if you're not going to be keeping the system is outdated because if you're thinking about right. sexual education in terms of like boys and girls, there's so many other people who exist within that spectrum that like mm-hmm. there are people who are non-gender con- conforming or non-binary. Right. So it's like, at this point we can't be thinking of things in in terms of like, well, the girls have to learn this and the boys have to learn this. Like well, yeah. we need to start educating yeah. everyone together at the same time, at the same age, which I think happens sometimes to, somewhere to be honest in like elementary school, I would say like eight or nine. Honestly. Yeah, because yeah. they're they're like it's becoming younger and younger. To it's be honest, it's becoming like awareness of these things. The age is going lower and lower. So I definitely get that. I also agree because I don't think there's a particular age, mm. but I want yeah. to be. I want to. I want to be on time, which is like yes. a hard thing to grasp. Exactly. I think it it involves the relationship between you and your child, like you're saying, Absolutely. the closeness and like the child should feel comfortable in. Like I think my child should feel comfortable enough to be like mom like what is anal like I don't know just like ask yeah. me whatever you need to ask me right. and you know you won't get in trouble yeah. because before it's like when you ask that you're like oh I'm gonna be in like some deep yeah. hot sauce if this I, is what I'm doing. This. yeah so yeah like I'm just gonna keep it inside and not say exactly. anything about it I mean I think so, you you have to trust the timing of it because like you said you don't want to yeah. bring it up to them when they're like oh my gosh I'm so embarrassed I don't want to talk about this this is really right. uncomfortable right 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 that's yeah. true it's, it's way better for them to be like I'm bringing this to you to ask you because yes. I don't know for me I had a chat of some sort yeah it was awkward it was I had two parents <laughs> it was awkward I was like dang yes. and I was too I was old too so I knew everything how old are I was you like what I think I was like 19. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So you're at this point, you're yeah. probably not a virgin at this point. Not that Girl. Because, like, I mean, I know. 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 I you might be wilding already. You might be doing what you do. But exactly. for me, it was awkward because it was like, um, it was basically like, oh, like, let me, let us know. Let me know when you are like active and I'm just like damn wh- who you want me to be like yeah I'm freaky right now girl yeah, <laughs> like I'm damn. not gonna talk to anyone <laughs> my parents that because yes. first of all yeah, you're African it was already taboo to even speak about it so the, the I don't know for me the awkwardness was in like okay so now we're talking about it I don't know like is it something like it's is it cool because if I, like what, yeah. where do you draw the line of it being like too much or like right. it was confusing it was for well, me it I was think- so 
I think that's the point. It's like your kids, if they want, if you want to wait for them to bring it to you, that's fine. But I think the responsibility mm-hmm. that falls on you is by creating an environment your entire child's life that fosters right. the open communication. Yes, I think that's age. more that's so what it is. So it's not age. about the age. Yeah. It's about from the jump, from your, the moment your kid can express mm-hmm. themselves. You already are setting up this space of like, I'm not judging you on your decisions, Mm -hmm. on what you do. Um, If you tell me, when you tell me who you are, I'm going to believe you. Like I see my nephew, he's five. I already know who I see who he is as a man. Like I, I just see it. And so, you, you know, I'm going to just trust that that is him. I'm not going to try to shape him in any other direction. Mm-hmm. This is and who he is. Yeah, right. this is who he is. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's what's important. And then the conversation can flow from there if there's trust and, right. you know, a lot right. of because in the there. same breath, in the same breath, I think it's also important. I know my brother, um, and he speaks to his two-year. Oh, she too. She's three now. Two-year-old, um, da- three-year-old daughter, and like tells her like this is a vagina, like to say that and stuff like that. And I think for for them, it was more from a sp- perspective of like molestation and everything, and she should yes. be able to be like my vagina was touched yes. or whatever yes. it was, and to yes. protect the children. So in the same breath, I do think the openness will allow for everything to come out. Completely. Absolutely. And I think that even from that too, and even, I think the relationship you have with yourself too is how you're going to translate and like be able to have that open with your children. Oh, this is true. You know, like I don't think that environment, you can create that space if you within yourself still feel shame talking about sex or feel, you know, that you aren't worthy of being pleasured, you know? And so I would love to- It'll feel uncomfortable as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and getting to that sense of comfortability. And so I would definitely Mm -hmm. want to know from, you know, you, Penda, and as well, Lantia, like, when did you realize that you were worthy of sexual intimacy? Because I think that as, you know, African women, I don't think that we, Mm -hmm. like, I think we all kind of had this programming of like, you know, whether it's sex is for procreation or in other cultures, you Mm -hmm. know, like you wait until you're married or like the day you get married or like, you know, the day you're given to your husband, like Muslim (laughs) culture. And so like, yeah, but yeah, yeah, you know, and I feel like all of our cultures kind of stem and flow together in a way, um, at least like from the religious aspects. And so, but understanding that you're also worthy of that intimacy, I think is a different like it's a different mm. tier of comfortability in your right. like in your sexuality, right. you know? Because yeah. yeah. I know that it's not something that we never really talk about intimacy as correlated with sex. I feel like sometimes, right. you know, people whether it's their preference or not, they want to mm-hmm. separate it. But I like to merge them together because, like, the moment you start raising that awareness of like what you int- intimately want to receive and like what you right. like and what how you want to be pleasured, it kind of changes mm-hmm. the the partners that you attract. But it also just changes like yes. the relationship that you even have with yourself, whether it's like self pleasure and all of that. Right. So I want to know, like, you know, when did you yeah. see yourself as worthy? Well, I think first you raised so many good points because I think a lot of us don't understand that in order to be intimate or to be vulnerable to be vulnerable with anyone, you have to trust that person immensely. Mm-hmm. But in order to trust someone else, you have to first understand and believe that you deserve 
that you're deserving of right. such trust yourself yeah. of that you deserve right. intimacy and that you deserve vulnerability yeah. Yeah. because otherwise you're just kind of like working to no avail. What are you working towards? If you, at the end of the day, you work towards all of this vulnerability, mm-hmm. but at the end you cower when it's like, but I'm not worthy of accepting this. Right. Um, so I think that's really a lot of the work that I've been doing now is working on dissecting like my own childhood traumas. And you were saying like, you have to be strong yourself before you can really communicate anything to anyone else. Yeah. You have to believe that mm-hmm. in yourself fully. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of it, like you said, is is ancestral. And I think mm-hmm. as an adult, like hearing my mom, you know, apologize and say that she didn't raise us this way or she wished she would have done this. And all of that stuff is really informative. But then she also says, but I raised you that way because my mother raised me this way. And so that it's like when you start to yeah. break down all of that, when you understand yeah. the cycle, when you start to kind of see that Venn diagram, it'd be like, okay, so A plus B and then it C. Goes all and the then way. that's why I'm like this. And then that's why I date people like right. this. And that's why right. it ends up like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that is right. That's kind of like you the murder mystery. That murder yes, mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that meme is. Yeah. What that mean where it's just the one in the mask. Yeah, the mask. Right? Yes, the mask. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I see it. Like, you're like, oh, okay. So, I mean, I swear, like, I'm still doing that work on myself of being accepting and worthy of intimacy. And I really, I think the more that I'm aware of it, the more that I see, like, I even in being on this, this is a really silly example, maybe, but sitting on a sofa with someone that I like, right? And I'll mm-hmm. maybe I'm sitting on the sofa and I'm thinking that I'm connecting with them and that I'm close with them. And then I'll realize that my body is literally sen- as tense as a stone. Yes. I'm just like, why, like, why are you mm-hmm. literally like you're resisting any type of closeness to this person? And then I can yeah. like kind of sigh and let my shoulders relax and like kind of lean into the mm-hmm. moment. But I definitely mm-hmm. notice those times where I'm like, huh, what is it that it, that is not allowing my body to just like settle into being vulnerable? But then I'm always like, oh, like I can't meet anyone that I like and dating is so hard. But it's like, but you, it it, it is, it definitely is. But there have been moments mm-hmm. that you did want to connect with certain people, but you didn't allow yourself to just go for it for whatever reason. Right. right. So I think it's just constant evaluation and work. I think therapy, I think talking with your families, breaking down the trauma mm-hmm. are really ways that I've just been working on developing that self-worth. But I don't think that I want to ever say that I've like, I'm complete, that I've made it to like the last level that I've unlocked (laughs) (laughs) the secrets because it's still something that I'm growing and working on. But honestly, the more that I have quarantine has been a blessing because I just am not focused on any other, I mean, up until got, you know, the disasters that is the world now, I really was like, I'm going to focus on me. And then I would start, I realized I was starting (laughs) to attract different people and I would I just have more confidence because I'm growing to love myself more as opposed to I think in real life you're a little bit more distracted you're comparing yourself to people right. you're you're out in bars like the rejection is you, you really are putting yourself out there for more rejection yeah yeah so I think this time has been just a reflective like bish you don't come out this quarantine like I know who I am who I am yes yeah to that I love it what about you what about y'all I've been talking (laughs) 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 Uh, I was gonna say um for me I also think it's kind of like a work in progress because um I am in a relationship and I think uh I think it's 
it's something that I was still very weird about when I entered this relationship. I was like 19 years old when I started dating this person. So for me, I think it's something that has grown over time within myself. Um, Aside from being with someone you trust, there is still, you could trust someone and be like, you know, I trust you with all my heart and still feel like you're not worth um, that kind of intimacy. Um, Yeah. So I think for me, it's been like a growing thing over the years where I'm like, wait, but actually, I actually am. I actually am worth the, um, intimacy that I'm I also like you're saying the way you I like how you said um that it's not just about the other person and it's yeah. about you yeah having pleasure and feeling pleasure yeah. I think yeah. that that also has to it has a tiny bit to do with who the person is as well because if the person's aim is to pleasure you at the same time then everyone is winning everyone yeah. is but if somebody's right. coming at you there's people in this world yes, who think that oh right. this you know this is an opportunity to just you know take what I want and move that's that's a whole other dynamic and I think it does matter who the person is and that you feel safe and um aside from doing your own work the person who you're with matters a lot I feel um so yeah I think it's growing over time and I'm just like becoming more aware of it and like you're saying doing more work and being intentional about doing that work um, is important. So yeah, that's that's just where I am. I think completely. <laughs> I resonate. I resonate with both of what you're saying, and I I think now more importantly, I'm noticing like what what makes me feel comfortable because I think sometimes we know a lot of what makes us uncomfortable, but we don't know right. how to create spaces that make us comfortable and like communicating yeah. that too. This, yeah. I think yeah. Like, understanding that a lot of things are going to have to be spoken out i used to i used to oh, believe yeah. that like you know the right person for you is just gonna know they're just gonna just know. know like you know, know what i they'll be like if you just do this and they know i'm a disney i grew up on disney don't judge me right perfection like everyone everything just goes into you know it's perfect yeah i'll just get that kiss and i'll know right you know and And i'll just feel comfortable and i'll be like right (laughs) it doesn't happen that way (laughs) no never never. it's intentional it's not as you know it's not as silent like i feel like people and even now in the age of consent you know i prefer Mm -hmm. i prefer if some you know, the, my Talk. partner, like, asked me, like, can I kiss you right, right. now? You know, like, right. can I do this? You know, like, I think it's, right. and becoming right. comfortable with that, too, because I think there's also certain levels where it's, like, you kind of want it to be unsaid. I don't know if there's this, like, yes. this mystery <sighs> in the unknown. It's, which right. so yeah, tricky. There's a weird line there, you but, know, you know, that's a I know, that's a whole other Because, yeah, for me, yeah. though, I, I do understand now that, like, I like I have to make an emphasis to create those environments because no one it, it right. should be on the onus for anyone else to like create yeah, exactly that. you know it's like you right. create right. your own happiness right. so I think as, exactly as we grow we learn ourselves even more right and like oh for this sure this has been an opportunity like quarantine in itself has been an opportunity for I think everyone should take this opportunity yeah. to understand themselves and like themselves. what we're you know what we're standing for but then also just how we feel and what makes environments comfortable for like ourselves in particular you know because that's not going to be a right. cookie cutter because I used to believe it was a cookie cutter thing but it's really mm. different for every single person and like yeah that's the right. beauty of like 
that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of life. That's the beauty of like pleasure. Right. That's the beauty of like understanding what you like and being able to like exchange these things and learn from each other, you know? And so exactly. Yeah, and- and I'm, and also recognizing how you feel around people, like how you well, said exactly. sometimes you're tense and you're like, you okay, understand. but yeah. well, where yeah. is it coming from? Where is it coming from? Yeah. And I think also, like you were saying, Echo to Echo, it's like I've committed to showing up as like my full self all the time. Mm-hmm. So before I would maybe kind of mm-hmm. shrink myself a little bit in terms yeah. of, you know what it is? It's because, and this is a crazy thing. I, the last like three people that I've dated unintentionally mm-hmm. have been mm-hmm. some sort of identity in the public eye so there's this weird thing Hmm. that I feel like I'm not worthy to date this like quote-unquote celebrity person not celeb well-known person yeah well-known person so in those in those spaces I feel like then I then I'm always feel like a little bit inferior of like wow they chose me again the whole oh you know it goes all the way back yeah it goes yeah. all the way back and so mm-hmm. like the work I've been doing on myself is like damn like you're really dope so if they don't like you then I just don't really know what to do but unless you right. show up as yourself like you can't expect that this person's just gonna see through any type of insecurity and be That's like well true. I know they're not gonna do the work to find out who you really no. are like that work yeah, is up no. to you and then you can right. present it and then right. you will attract an equal because you right. are just showing up in the universe. It's, you're telling the universe, like, this is me. This is who I am. Now I want to attract like-minded right. energy. But if you're always, like, cowering and shrinking and being like, well, I don't – do I deserve? It's like, yeah. why would you ever attract? That is – You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's yes. all of that. But And, and, and I, let me just say that men can feel that energy. And they, they know can feel that feel like energy. Deserve, and right? they take it back. And they're like, listen, sis here doesn't know that she's a whole queen, so I'm gonna just use that. Like the last episode of Insecure, point and case. Right. Literally. Literally. I was like, see, Issa done know. now she don't know who she is. She knows what she has yep. to offer. She did the block yep. party. She did she she knows levels. So levels. levels. <laughs> Like Natasha, that means she's like, gross. Gross. There's gross. (laughs) No, it's true. It's true. And we have to, we have to be able to get comfortable with that, you know, and not everyone is going to be accepting of that. And that's okay too. You know, I'm exactly learning like, you know, the knowing what your standards are also means that there may not, there may be people that you would like to be with that just don't stand to that standard. You know, and being yep, able yep. to release them and like exactly them go through their own journey, you know. And if they right, to right. you, then that's great. But if they don't, like you know that this is like your boundary, you know. And absolutely, so, it's so important. Absolutely, that completely, completely, yeah. absolutely. I would just want to know, like, more into your your work. Like, how how do you create those boundaries and that safe space for people to? Again, open up about these things because ooh, your question back, cut back. out. Oh, my question cut out. <laughs> I was just yeah. yeah. So I I was asking like in terms of you know the and even in this spectrum of intimacy and creating comfortable spaces like how you especially for Black people because I know within like mm. sexual wellness, not that it's been like. I think for black people, especially us being liberated, I think this is like the first time in like our century where we're actually fully technically free to like like whoever we want to like, 
you know, be mm -hmm. okay, right. I guess, relatively allowed to be in the relationships that we want to, you know, I know that for queer people, that may not be 100% of the case. But being able to just speak about it, you know, I think you do such a right. wonderful job in person, allowing, you know, black people to really feel comfortable to talk about their experiences, you know, so I just wanted to just understand more from you, like what a comfortable space really looks like and how people can really feel comfortable to speaking about it, you know, because I think to get to this point, like it's mm -hmm. a lot of unlearning, at least on my side, like I had yes. to let go of the idea that it is a taboo, even though that's not even what was fed to me. I think I just perceived it in the world because of who I am as a, you know, as an African woman yeah. being like darker skin, like there was always just this level of shame. And so how would you mm -hmm. kind of encourage, you know, people who look like us, but even more so just how to let go of that shame and become comfortable with talking about sex? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I always like to say, first of all, whenever I do in-person events, I always like to partner with a black sex therapist, a black social worker, some other kind of sexual educator, because I do not have that accreditation. So I never like to lead people on a down any type of path that is not correct for them because mm -hmm. that it's so individual and it's so tender. Right. And so you don't ever want to lead anyone down a direction that's mm -hmm. not meant for them. Yeah. So I always choose to speak from my own experience, which I feel mm. like my own experience being as open as I am. And I'm, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm a soft and open people. I like to think that my energy feels warm. And I it think does. that in itself <laughs> invites people to talk about sex. But also mm -hmm. in whenever I have community events, I always just set the tone and I'm saying this is a completely open space. We're not recording right. people unless we're doing like a live podcast recording or anything. But one of the tools that has been so helpful in creating this is this kind of like anonymous mobile survey mm -hmm. where I can ask certain questions people can download the app and we answer these questions anonymously and it instantaneously shows the the results of the room. So it might say like, okay, who feels, you know, we were talking about ethical non-monogamy. And so it was saying like, how many people feel like their parents would judge them if they had, if they came, if they were in a polyamorous relationship yeah. and you just on your phone, on your phone, yeah. you can say Ooh. yes or no. And then immediately oh, it'll great. say, it'll say, Oh wow. Like 70% of the room said yes. 30% yes. of the room Those said no. Good tests. Does, yeah. does anyone want like to speak that. on it? And then people feel like, well, I voted yes because like, it just kind of sets That's up the space true. of being like, yeah wow, 70% of people have the same opinion as you. That's a little bit more comforting when you have to share something. It's true. So right. that's right. been a great tool. And, you know, I have a lot of people who just send me long emails and they're like, I know this was a rant, but I just had to speak to someone about it. <laughs> and I just wanted to get it out. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm here yeah. for you. I may not have the space to respond to this email right this moment, but I hear you yeah. and I'm here for you. And I think just a black sex therapist, anytime we someone speaks on shame or the way that they're feeling for the therapist. Um, and I also just having the presence of black therapists, uh, black sex, social workers, sex educators yeah. in the room, it really just validates any emotion that anyone is feeling about shame or trauma in their sexual lives. Like just the comfort of sharing an experience and being really vulnerable about that. And then the therapist being able to say that is so normal and you are not mm. you know there are other people who can relate and who who experience it I think that type of 
conversation really fosters and lends itself to creating a space that feels like people can always show up as themselves. And I really just, anytime to be, I just set myself in a position where if anyone says anything that's offensive, I, in the nicest way possible, it's like, let's use a different language or that's not yeah. the right way. It's about learning. Better. And that's the part of it is some people don't even understand that they are biased or that their thinking is skewed right. until you have to call them out and be like, Hey, that's yeah. not yeah it that is definitely yeah mm. wow wow Panda, I, that's this. really really i feel like equa and me need to come to these events we actually yes. need to yeah. because these these i'm trying to do virtual good. i'm trying to do virtual hangouts but mm. it's just like i i don't know it might start small and then it might you know i feel like with zoom yeah. you don't have to show your face if you don't want to right you true, can right. You, you can utilize the that's chat true. if you that's don't want to speak so i'm trying to think about i'm trying to work something up because I miss just kicking with people and being like, right. what do you do? So, but also no, one, know. Let us know. no one's supposed there. to be having sex. So it's like, right, right, right now. But we all know somebody. We know somebody. Somebody. Right. Who really did. Who Who's really out there. Did. Yeah. You know? and yeah. Hey. I wanted to ask you really quickly, Fen. I don't think we, we touched on um why it's called Proho. Do you want to go into the name in a, like a little bit? Deeper? Yeah. No, it's that. so yeah. good. Yes. I feel like that's important. Um, yes, it's so important. Yes. Definitely. It actually came about um, in the beginning. I was just writing under Penda. I was like, I'm just going to write about sex, but it was just like Penda. Um, all my friends were like, your name is so unique. Just go by Penda. So that's how originally <laughs> I was <laughs> writing. But then um, my friend from college, she bought over this restaurant or restaurant magazine, which was called The Press. And she said that she wanted to have a sex column in it. So once I was like, okay, I'm going to have this published like monthly right. sex in the city, but African <laughs> style. African spice like, in yes, there. Spice. Yes. 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 I was like, okay, so what's the name? And we were just thinking, and a lot of the hashtags I was using were like pro ho or like sex positive along those lines. Mm, um, yeah. But really when we thought about pro ho, I was like, you know what, if we're going to be breaking stigmas, Let's just use a word that people associate negatively with sex. Mm. And um, it's not, it's not about being a whole act literally in the sense of the (laughs) word, obviously, Mm -hmm. but to me, it means understanding that you should go out and seek any type of pleasure that makes you feel good. So if that is being non-monogamous, if that means you're gay, if that means that you are trans and just in whatever capacity you feel good, right. like yeah. do that whole work. Like, you know, right. like, <laughs> what is a whole at the end of the day? I think it's oh, it's yeah. breaking that whole like understanding of yeah, the word whole. Whole. because at the end of the day, yeah, it is a stereotype. A whole it's a stereotype. a stereotype. And that's what I said. I, I always say like I'm gonna hoe on myself. Like I'm gonna find what it means to mm. what I what I know to love on myself unconditionally right. and to right. always treat myself with pleasure and know what feels good right. to me because I just feel like once you know like Audre Lorde she says this so you know in in greater words than I'm about to say right now but she's like basically once you define the level of pleasure that you are capable of and that you're deserving of anything that doesn't measure up to that you're just like no nah, I'm good <laughs> Yeah, if you know your pleasure is on a hundred, why would you ever accept someone coming to you with energy on a 40? 
Mm, so right. that's just how I feel. You know, I know a lot of people, I did have a couple doctors in the beginning who I wanted to collab with and they were like, they were, they were more religious, but they were like, I don't know, pro ho, the word ho. And I was like, <laughs> you know, it's cool. Some people are going to get it and some people aren't going to get Art. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because at yeah. the end of the day, it, ma- it makes so much sense. Honestly, yeah. I love it. Um, and I think because ho was just a word that basically was constructed by the society that we live in yeah. for people who want for to men. sexually. Yeah, yeah for men, men, basically. Right? For, women. for women who just sexually wanted to be pleasured and maybe yeah. understand themselves and in that enjoy way. it. Exactly. Basically for enjoyment, which people we exactly. deserve, we all deserve. So Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, you know, with, especially within Black communities, we have to hold all people to the same standard. So you can't say women are this and men are this or et cetera, because we need to all just collectively be like, whatever you do, however you do it, I support you because there are a lot of folks out here who don't. So do what you do that makes you happy. And if it's not for me, it's not for me, but like, who am I to put, place any judgment on you on you completely. yeah i love that completely i love that wow well on that note <laughs> so, so funny i don't know if you were ever told this but penda or like naku penda means i love you in swahili so like yes. the fact that love already stemmed in your name like it was just like written it's all meant to be all it's written. It meant to be proho was meant to be i'm so glad to exists. be right and um i'm sh- i know we're gonna have all of your socials in our description box but where right. can the people find you yes you can find me on instagram personal is penda jai p-e-n-d-a-j-a-i yeah. and my pro ho account is i'm pro ho i-m-p-r-o-h-o-e find us at yes. i'm pro ho.com and yeah, basically, you know, from the gram, you can you can find everything. <laughs> everything else. <laughs> everything else. Everything yes. else. And I know that they can stay tuned for any events you may have coming up. And yes. the beauty about Inshallah. this is that, you know, Afrolit is like a global space, definitely right. helping and highlighting, you know, Africans within the diaspora, but also on mm-hmm. the continent. And so, yeah, we just support you and we want you everyone do. to be completely enamored by what you do and so Aww, yes thank y'all i appreciate it growth, and we're excited I to be so good this was a good conversation i think also just me and equa have learned a lot already at this point I know. um yeah, it was maybe. very um educational yeah. and i think everyone out there will probably might have questions for you after this. Yes. I'm you know, sure. you're ready. Bar. You drop bars. I'm ready. <laughs> yes. So you guys can will. definitely follow her. Definitely go ahead and ask yes. her on her platforms. Yes. Um, do yes. it. <laughs> I'm here. If it makes it holds me accountable to keep doing the work and to keep right. learning. So Right. Who knows? We might just have questions too. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Send them my way. Send them my way. Uh, <laughs> More stories, more stories for you to write about. Yeah, stories. Right? <laughs> Love it. Um, I'm so excited. Thank you so- all for having me on. And like, I just, whenever I can support people of the diaspora, other Black people, it just, it just gives me so much energy to keep going and to support. Mm-hmm. So, however, I can support y'all because you're also bringing the good words to the folks the people out there so yeah. and it's important and we have to think I think we're hard on ourselves a lot because it takes 
courage to do this. It takes courage to be vulnerable and share your story. So, you know, this is important work that we're doing to connect with people. Thank you, Penda. Well, this has been another episode of Afrolit. Definitely stay tuned. Our next episode is going to be spicy. We're going to bring some guys on. And so we're planning on having a really interesting conversation. So you don't want to miss that. And yes, stay tuned for a lot more. Bye. Thank you guys for listening. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, and at 4 p.m. Yes. <laughs> it's been real. <laughs> it's been real. It's been real. It's been Bye. real. Peace.